Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today, Saul wants to talk about new RPGs that are going to be published in 2021 because it is the new year. So, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, we didn't really talk about the new year previously. Uh, we were just, our episodes sometimes come out at weird times and I'm a little late. So, I didn't want to say Happy New Year before it was. Uh, looking forward to 2021, as I'm sure many people are. Along with that, in the RPG world, there is new games coming out. And more games, uh, it seems quite a few games. I I got to put a shout to Ian World. They put out a, a questionnaire every year saying, what are the most anticipated RPGs of 2021? Or, well, or the new year. And, you know, uh, quite a few people respond. I It came into my email. I responded with my choices. And I don't think the results are out yet. It struck me as a as an idea to uh, what games are we looking forward to or what, what games do I think are are pretty exciting now of course when he says we he means himself yeah i mean myself but you know the thing is is that i think a lot of gamers have this this idea that they're looking forward to some games new games coming out that has to do with and we talked about it before chasing the perfect game well there's chasing the perfect game and then there's there's some games that when maybe haven't been published or they haven't been reworked in a long time there's a couple of those coming out or just plain editions that new editions that are completely different from the original simply because it's a totally different publisher and a totally different idea on how rules should work. So here's a new list for 2021 that I picked that I'm looking forward to. And uh, I'll name a few others that are sort of I'm looking forward to, but the, there's a few ones that I'm really looking forward to. Some of these were kickstarted in 2020 and will be published in 2021. So that they're almost basically going to be for sure published others are still yet to be kickstarted and uh you know hopefully everything works out fine i know it takes a while for uh, rpg books to be published and and printed and published or published and printed i don't know which i guess it goes the other way printed and then published i didn't see on your list um the black void one is coming out too right or not yes it's 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 not a is it a it's not a whole new game it's just no, a it's, just, it's a set of it's remember it's a travel log yes uh setting guide yes and new new rules i yes. just thought about that yes because i think the kickstarter got funded right yes okay. yes so yeah the books should be out pretty soon or cool. in the near future so i totally forgot about that but mainly i was dealing with just brand new rules i know rpgs so on the top of the list and probably uh this is Saul's list so if your game isn't there don't don't feel bad yeah don't feel bad uh, this was kickstarted in 2020, and it's called Flames of Freedom. It is uh, based on the rules of Volander, Zwielander, Zwielander. I'm not German. I don't know how to pronounce that, which I think means like a two-handed sword or something like that. And that is based on Warhammer Second Edition, I believe. The rules. It's a percentile system. Uh, what they did is they used Zwielander and changed the rules a bit to fit the Revolutionary War era. So there's flintlocks pistols and stuff like that and it added a little mix of the supernatural in that game which i think was pretty neat you know some people say well you know there's some periods of time that are so exciting you don't need to add anything strange and i'm fine with that you're right there's if you were somebody would write a revolutionary war rpg that was just trying to be more realistic or simulationist you know that's fine too but uh i think i really i'm really into alt history or changing things a little bit just to make them more interesting 
And in this case, they decide to add a little bit of super, supernatural elements uh, to include you know, what's going on in the war. You know, there's a, there's a, some evil machinations in the background that the players don't really know about. You know, it's only hinted at, and uh, and the players have to figure out what's going on and try to fight, try to fight this incursion, probably of evil. I believe so. <laughs> we did. You you have something for that because we. Played it's a quick start rules. Yes. Oh, there we go. That's what it is. So what they what, what has happened, and I think it's a good idea now. A lot of games, even the games that I was not even interested, I just happen to look at them. You know, either go to their web page that they put out by the publisher or the, the publishing company or on their Kickstarter page, they'll have a link to their quick start rules. And the quick start rules usually have rules of how the mechanics work so you can play the game. The quick start rules usually have rules of how to play the game enough that you can run the game. Usually have uh, pre-written or pre-generated characters to make it super easy. And they include a short scenario to run to get the flavor of the game and and how the system works and the quick start rules is exa exactly that in uh in the uh, flames of freedom and i actually kickstarted because it was it looked pretty fun and it was pretty neat the kickstarter was pretty have you kickstarted all of the games you're gonna say today uh no uh-huh no mm -hmm. <laughs> <Well>, maybe <laughs> so i think uh anybody who's interested in that period anybody who's interested in the supernatural uh anyone who, and there's the rules you know if you like if you like warhammer second edition i know there's people out there who still play that and you like zwielander zwielander is an american uh publishes it was kickstarted here in the united states i think the guy's from the mid the middle of the country somewhere i forget where it was it was actually pretty cool the game um i got to play it with saul i didn't get to play it when when bay ran it but i got to play it with saul so it was interesting um saul made the rules less a little less crunchy because just because he he didn't use whatever it is three shots thing it's called the, he didn't tell you he was using it he really did he lets you have three things to do but he didn't really tell you what they were well it, it the i really didn't because what happens is that there's these things called action points and you get three action points to that's do, what do it on was. Your turn and certain things take two action points certain things take one action point and you know, it was my first time running it. Uh, it was the first time anybody had played it, obviously. So I decided to forego the action point and just let them do whatever they wanted to do. on like, Kind of like a regular... Some of the guys we play with, though, they really like reading the rules and playing, right. trying to figure out how the rules work. So And that happened. So, so they played that. I didn't get a chance to, but they So did. my friend Bay, who, who was in that game, goes, Oh, he goes, you're not using the action points. I go, no, that's too hard for me. I, I don't want to explain that system. We just I just want to hit the ground running. So he goes, well, and next week I'll run it, and I'll run it with the action point system. And he goes, and I go, yeah, sure. So he ran a totally different game. I think it's, what's anyway, it doesn't matter, but it was really well done. He, you know, Bay's an excellent uh, GM, and we had a lot of fun. It was, it was a good game. So that's the first one? First one, Anything yes. Anything else you need to say about that? I thought it was interesting that it was from Warhammer, or not from Warhammer, but the... The rules. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little interest... Uh, Zwielander, which is the rules that they actually used, is a little interesting because I guess the guy was really, I should, should have written down his name, but he was really in into Google Plus that, that died a, f a year ago, a few, two years ago. And Google Plus was a really 
vibrant gaming community. That's what uh, one thing it had. That's what it had. For anything else, maybe everybody thought it was it was dead. But a lot of gamers liked it. They liked the way it worked. Uh, they liked the uh, everything about it, and it, the fact that it wasn't Facebook, I guess, was a plus to them. So this creator of this game, you know, he was basically making this game from 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 friends. He had made it up. Uh, uh, Warhammer Second Edition is kind of an old system, so he decided, you know, he was making it a homebrew, and and then his friends wanted the people on the Google Plus community had a, had a bit of a senior moment there, and the Google Plus community were asking him what was going on. You know, oh, you know, let me check out your rules. I, I'm interested, and and that those rules circulate enough that they're like, hey, yeah, you should you should kickstart this thing, and so he started going with. With that in mind, he started working on the rules, cleaning up the rules, you know, making them better for publishing and stuff. And he finally built, you know, bit the bullet and decided to to go on Kickstarter and try to publish it and get it published. And he had a really successful Kickstarter. I I didn't know about it. I totally missed out the boat on that one. So yeah. So but it was funny because he used to call it. I think he used to call it the. He had an alternate name, Core Hammer, I believe it was. So he kept calling it Core Hammer, Core Hammer. And then everybody goes, you cannot call it core hammer. That's just not going to work. So he, 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 he himself said, uh, I just was looking at things. And then he came across the word for a two handed sword, I think in German. And he, he loved the name. So he put that on the book and the rest is history, as they say. So the book is huge. It's like one of those huge tomes that if you probably can stop a bullet, those kind of things. So it's like, you know, 500 pages and, uh, I guess freedom of uh, flames of freedom is going to be pretty thick also. So, so anyway, interesting, interesting setup, interesting uh, history, and an interesting idea of to put on Kickstarter. And of course, he did rather well on his Kickstarter. He had all kinds of stretch goals, and he unlocked quite a bit. So that'll be published in 2021 for sure. So next on the plate is sorry, I I, I zoned out for a moment. <laughs> I know you're just blankly staring at me. <laughs> so the next one is Beowulf. Age of Heroes. Now, the re- reason this one caught my eye a while ago, it was Kickstarter in 2021, was... 2020, because it's... Oh, oh, yeah, sorry, 2020. I'm already in 2021 mode. So, in 2020, is that John Hodges is an artist, and he worked on The One Ring. And I really like his art. I think it's really... Anytime I see his art, I know it's him. He's really neat. I just like the way his art looks, and it's very... When you see it, you know it's his art distinctive distinctive and i seen his art in other things and i thought it was the one ring like, oh it's the one ring supplement and it's a totally different game <laughs> or an adventure or something like that Saul gets excited about very odd things yes so he he started handiwork games and then with that he's done uh, different other projects he did these uh little maps like uh tiles that have maps on them so you can use them in real to life you know face-to-face games that don't exist now but in the future very very close future we'll hopefully be able to play face to face and go back to conventions he drew all these little tiles and you put these tiles together and you can make a battle mat out of them um and so i kickstarted that they came in and they were really neat and he started talking about this game called beowulf which i thought was interesting uh beowulf is based on the age of here the age of beowulf with that time period and uh it is a game for one player and one gm and it's based on the fifth edition rules, so he had to, you know you have to tweak the rules because most most people agree that fifth fifth edition D and D is not a one player game, right? Because you have all these other roles 
to fill usually, right? You know, you want somebody who can fight. You want somebody who can throw a spell. And maybe somebody who can heal you. And that requires two, three, four, depending on, on the kind of party and the kind of adventure you want to run. Requires I have a, a question. Yes. Did he start out with making this game a two-player, a, a, a one-person player yeah, game? Yeah, that was his intent. Be, was this before the the, the pandemic? pandemic? Uh, wow, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't remember the. the I was time just wondering because we talked about that before during during last year. We talked about one player games or uh, or solo or player, solo games. player yeah. games with one player and a GM or just by yourself. Which I had never really thought about, except I always read those books when I was a kid. Choose your own adventure books, which, which uh, were really fun for yeah. us. I, I remember reading those. And I did that solo player adventure for um, Cthulhu, <laughs> Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, yes, yes. and it was very interesting. I died, of course, but it was interesting, and I could see the appeal if you don't have somebody to play with or right. a Zoom group or. A, well, in this case, it's or. just one player and one GM. So, so I was just that came into right. my mind whether he did that before or after the, if that was the original. I think intent. he did it in the midst of the pandemic. So I'm not sure if it was an impetus for him to put that out. But that's pretty cool because there aren't that many one player. I mean, you can make any game one player, but like you said, for D and D, usually you need to have a couple different. Um, yeah, unless you really, really categories of people, but you could always just have NPCs or. Yeah, and I think what I've mentioned that in the past is that D and D or any game, I think you can have a one-player game or two-player game, uh, two-player if it's an investigation, right? And it doesn't require combat, right? Uh, to solve the problem, like if the adventure requires you to kill an ogre at the end of the, the as a big bad guy to save the princess or whatever it is. Then you know you're gonna get stuck because maybe one character is not enough unless you make the character stronger or whatever you know higher level in D and D I'm talking about. So it's or very some harpers come along towards the end. Yeah, of Yeah, but then you know that that's kind of a. I'm just saying it would you could do things like yeah, that. Yeah, you can, but that's kind of like I don't know cheating. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so he made this game intent on being able to play with one player only for one player. And instead, you know, and th there is these NPCs that you are, that you as a player can kind of control, but they're not like full fledged players. They are actually people who just help you out, who 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 don't, you know, they're not full fledged NPCs or player characters. They're they're there really to help you out, and and it's really interesting. And again, again, I I really like the art, and I really like the idea of supporting the uh, artist in this case out a game and so i kickstarted it uh it should be published in the in 2021 he did put out this thing called the sanct the hermit sanctuary which is uh a, uh it's kind of like a quick start rules it's the whole it's a whole scenario that you play it has the art it has and if you look it up uh you can it's by handiwork games it is amazingly it's beautiful and for a quick start guide it's you know it has his art in it and he has full page art in it and it's just amazing. It's it's so nice and pretty that people were clamoring to get a, a physical hard copy. A hard copy, a physical copy of that game, of that sample scenario slash quick start rules. He worked with, I think he works with, uh, at the moment, to put that out was uh, probably drive through RPG, print on demand. But, you know, the, people complain about print on demand from drive through RPG being not very good as far as, the you know, the, the clarity, the quality of the paper and all this other stuff. So I think he's actually going to print it 
uh, traditionally print house. Oh, I'm sorry. Print on demand means you're printing it. So how can they com- no. complain about the no, paper? No, no. Print on demand is for drive through. You pay them to print the book. Oh, and okay. They, and they print it depending on how it's set up. Because like I got I, it. I understand now. No, no. I'm saying is that you can have it like in softback or hardback, but the person who puts the PDF out the way has to the way the file is is has is, to yeah, yeah fix the file to yeah. print. And I would I don't know why it would be different for a hardback to a soft soft It depends cover. on how how much you have to have um on the edge. I guess so. You are correct. And also, if you're using those little binder things, the 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 plastic ones with the little the catches all the way down. No, no, they they're actually printed books. They print it into a book form. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, then they have to have more page, more on one end. Yeah, they have all kinds of stuff that yeah. they got to worry about, and they and they have any and, and drive through RPG. You know, this is a good a commercial. It's a drive through RPG, right? Yeah, drive through RPG commercial. But I've used it. I've bought books through them, print on demand, and, and they're pretty good. Now, they they have different classifications. They have you know hardback, softback, and then they have the quality of the paper, high quality or or standard quality. So you choose how much you're going to pay for yes. it, and then you so get what you pay for. It's not cheap when you go into the full, high, glossy hardback book. You know, they're like sixty dollars. But what what's pretty cool is you can get if the person who puts out the PDF goes through the trouble to make that because it takes time and if there's nobody's gonna buy it why take the time to do all that work but if there's enough support for it you could uh do that work to sell more books it's a really neat uh, concept you play a, obviously a, a hero and that's what it is you're playing a hero you're playing beowulf and you have your no, band not, not with necessarily you? i mean or a beowulf uh, a hero yeah. like beowulf like beowulf but even beowulf had his support crew right well yeah right so that's what the game is about and it's really neat uh i have not run the hermit's uh sanctuary which i you know i guess i could have ran it all summer because it's been out for a while and uh like i said the art is just beautiful i really like his art it depends that on might the be the first who. game that you run just for me yeah i have the pdf and you know that he i love i love the story of beowulf yeah yeah you you actually read beowulf right the seamus what's his name yes one of the i can't think of it hadley hadley i can't think of his i his i, I remember, right yeah Yes, I've read Beowulf. I've read it in several different translations. Thank yeah, this, you. Uh, people really like that translation, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tolkien also has a translation. Oh, That's yes. the one that we read in. Never mind. Uh, move on, so I don't do history. I think you might like it. I haven't just I haven't broached the subject. Anyway, so that should be in your future soon. Next is Twilight Two Thousand. Now, this one is really strange because I never played Twilight Two Thousand back in the old days. Right. Before 2000? Before 2000, yes. Uh, it was, you know, it's an old game, right? I think we actually had a, did we have a, an yes, episode on it? Yes, yes. So we, we talked we, about we, it. If you want and to the know reincarnations about, of it. You know, if Incarnations. you want to know about Twilight 2000, go back to that episode. I don't know, I have the number on me. It, it's a 1980s game. They thought, you know, oh, we, we'll talk about the, the Third World War in 2000. That should be like it was a 1980s game, so you know it was future. still the Cold War. So yeah. it was. It's a pretty interesting apocalyptic kind of game, right? Post-apocalyptic exactly. or Just, pre-apocalyptic. It's like right after apocalyptic, yeah. right? So, so it is really a neat uh, idea. Uh, growing up uh, in the 70s and 80s, you know, people like me. I graduated in 1985 from high school, so we definitely were under the threat of the bomb, right? If you don't know what that means, don't worry You're about lucky. it. You're way yeah. You're lucky. I mean, I grew up in, and so did Jolene. We grew up in an era that they had nuclear drills where you would 
jump underneath your desk, right? Like if it's an earthquake, you saw videos of what to do and this and that, or not videos, actual films, because they didn't have video back then, really. And it, and what there was a weird moment in my life when I was like a nuclear bomb jumping on the desk ain't gonna do nothing, <laughs> right? I mean, literally, it's not gonna do anything. So, you know, I, I don't know why they were, I guess, to alleviate the, the stress of people. But as soon as people got to a certain stage that they realized that that's not going to do anything, you know, uh, I got a little scared about the whole subject. And then there was this movie called The Day After. Oh. I, I don't know when it came out, but that scared the crap out of me. So in that world, in that Cold War era, living under the threat of the bomb, annihilating the world, GDW came out with these rules of the, the Third World War and how... A limited nuclear exchange could end the world as we know it and still have people survive. And what would be that? What would remain? And there was no supernatural. There was no weird stuff. Later on, they did. But at the very beginning, it was just a survival type game. And it was very crunchy. It was, uh, you know, they had stats on all kinds of weapons and armor. And, and they had the books that dealt with different troops of how many people were here in this location that location what kind of tanks and armor personnel carriers and they could bring to bear i mean it was you know it was really they really came out with a lot of rules a lot of books and it was crunchy and i never played it it's amazing uh years later uh i think it was after 2000 <laughs> i came across this book called uh twilight 2013 and this was published in 2000 I don't remember what year it was published. Anyway. But anyway, I didn't see the book until like 2011. And I think I ran it in 2014 at a convention. Uh, I've, I probably bought it on eBay. It was a crunchy system too, but you know, it, it totally went away from the original GDW version. And a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people thought it was okay. And, uh, and then it died, right? The, the, the that publishing that publisher died within not died but the the company went belly up within a year and freely comes along now and is publishing twilight 2000 now instead of trying to move the date up of the apocalypse of the world war they just go back to 2000 and say you know we're gonna go back to 2000 and pretend it's 2000 and that's where we're the, when the apocalypse is gonna happen or the third world war and that's the year that the players are playing the game and it's interesting. I mean, uh, I think what's interesting is that Free League is a Swedish company. Uh, they've been really successful in pub publishing lots of books. Well, not a whole lot of books, but all their books are pretty su successful. You know, they printed uh, or published Tales from the Loop, Coriolis, Mutant Year Zero. And they all use the same kind of mechanic, their same base mechanic of what they call it the Year Zero engine, based on Mutant Year Zero, get it? And which was their first book. And they decided to use that as a basis for Twilight 2000 that they're going to publish. And it's it's inherently, it's a really simple system. Basically, it's a dice pool game. The The system is really easy. You have a, a set of attributes, much like, you know, D&D, you know, strength, wisdom, whatever. And that's a number between one and five, usually. And then you have skills that are usually between one and five. And you add the number uh, of your attribute to the number uh, of your skill level. And that's how many dice you get to roll of six-sided dice. And you have to get sixes? And all you need is a one six to succeed, right? Which you and think is easy, but it's really not. <laughs> it can be really easy, and then it can be really tough. The way to handle it is if you handle more than, you get more than one six, you get a little bonus. And if you don't get any sixes, then you don't, you fail. Uh, so how are people taking to the fact that, that um, Twilight 2000 is going to be published 
worked with a less crunchy system? I think if you read the forums and stuff, they got a lot of flack from these die-hard Twilight 2000 people. Maybe they'll get new players. people, though. <laughs> well, there's, there's that, yeah. People, once they, because they put out, uh, when they uh, they kickstarted the game in 2020, they were successful, obviously, uh, very successful. And people were like, this is not this is not the Twilight 2000 I remember. People are like that all the time for every change for anything right and i think you know and i think there was this we should, i don't know what we should do an episode on it but the negativity of some gamers some people were really hostile right they really said you know you ruined the game you know that's not the twilight 2000 and stuff and and what's funny is like and their take and my take is similar you know we're they're not taking away your twilight 2000 right they're not going to come to your house and take away your old twilight 2000 books you know, there's not going to be the <laughs> Twilight 2000 RPG police is going to burn your books and, and not let you play that game and make you play Twilight 2000 uh, Free League Edition, right? Well, that's when that's when, when they change the rules. That's when the old school guys take the new books, take what they like from it, and use the rules they like from the old part. Yeah, that's what, what GMs do, right? You're right, correct. I would think so. And I think Free League made a conscious decision to go ahead and use their home a very modified uh year zero engine and try to make it a little bit of a crunchier system because because free league that that system that is used just like a lot of other systems can be really you know they make it made more crunchy or less crunchy right for example i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent the 2d20 system which powers star conan trek? star trek well, chronicles system, third right. edition what's the other one john carter of mars and i got this other book called dishonored which is based on a video game and if you put all those books together now, you would be able to figure out how to play that game because of the 2D20 mechanic is the same. It's, you know, you still generate, uh, depending on the game, they each call it different. You still generate uh, momentum and, you know, you can use those dice to help you roll, you know, add dice. Did to you say dice Conan board. too? Because Conan is Yeah, that. Conan. Uh, okay. I didn't mention Conan. Okay. So Conan's a crunchier one, right? Yes. And then uh, John Carter's a more not so not so crunchy actually it's really it really is a, a light system if you you know i think we talked about those 2d20 system and stuff before and i really like the system and i really like the fact that it, it can be as light as you want it to john be. carter yeah. is and as crunchy as conan is and it's pretty amazing and the same thing with uh free league i go well felix the system year zero is really really simple tales from the loop is a simple game there's not much to the the die mechanic or the mechanic that's true but they put things in where like you get complications and stuff like yeah. pretty easily if you if you well i mean easy to understand not yeah. easy to okay just but, making sure yeah but then uh like mutant year zero they add gear dice right and, and to help you out and and there's other there's cards that manipulate the game uh, a little bit both mutations and stuff i think my favorite my favorite game from them is alien Yes, yes, I agree. Alien is very special uh, simply because of the stress mechanic was yes. beautiful for that situation, for that horror. Yeah, Free League did um, Alien, Alien RPG. So there's all kinds of ways they can tweak the system. Now, I got the PDF. I haven't run the game and haven't really looked at the rules. I think what they were looking for, at least Free League was looking for, was an homage to that Twilight 2000, but not an homage to the crunchiness and the really ridiculous things that the rules just weren't aren't modern you know they're not modern take on 
Uh, well, they're not modern because they're an old game. It's from 1980. If you look at the rules, they're kind of really complicated. And if you're asking a new person, a new player uh, in 2020, 2021 now, to pick up Twilight 2000 and and start playing, it's probably not going to be very successful. If you were to publish, republish the old rules in 2021, it probably wouldn't do very well because it's so crunchy. Now, I'm not saying there's people who won't pick it up and play it. There's no doubt about it. There's people who love crunchiness. But, but in today's game market, it's got to be more accessible. And I think that's what they're aiming at, and I think that's what they're doing. Free League, uh, the pub, as publishers, they really critically think about their game. They play test it. And they've you know they've started changing rules already in, in the play test or in the alpha, alpha? In, the, in the PDF that they put out. And then they, they keep adding, you know, they keep changing the rules or adding to rules or making tweaks as they get feedback, feedback, constructive feedback, right? Not just that this sucks. We should not be publishing this game. I really like the concept of the game. I Like I said, I ran the 2013, which was uh, pretty complicated uh, for the most part. For me, it wasn't overly so. But then again, I come from 1980. So crunch is not necessarily bad for me. But I think I've gone. I've, I'm in a stage of my life that I don't really want to. GM really crunchy games, so hence I kickstarted Twilight 2000, and, and it'll be published in 2021. They're, they're getting close to uh, to publishing it, and uh, they did very well in the Kickstarter. Thing is, is that it did very well because games that do very well on Kickstarter are you're gonna find them in bookstores or in games to hobby shops and stuff like that. So you'll be able to find this game in your local hobby shop or online easily so <laughs> i guess i'm a little bit more long-winded than i thought i have a few of the games to talk about uh we'll do a, a short second part of this adventure i mean of this podcast i don't know how short it'll be i think <laughs> it'll be at least another half hour and uh we'll, we'll do a part two so there you go this is gaming perspectives with Saul and jolene you have a good day